like if if I you know if you look at an ugly something really ugly you can learn to <coughs> accommodate it you know not but then every time you look at it it's still going to be ugly <laughs> I mean it's, it's just so it brings back brings up a feeling but what I what I've tried to do with that is uh, just notice that and not and just see it as just an empty empty memory not a person not a it's not you know, like it's about somebody in particular it's, it's really merely an, uh, an a memory that's that's uh, not anything other than that and that helps to just see it in terms of what it really is and then uh, because you're left with, I find that, that it's easier for me to remember. I mean, like certain people that I've uh, have uh, have strong negative feelings towards, it's hard for me to remember their good qualities. 
So, <laughs> uh, for some reason or other, the bad qualities tend to take the dominant position in my mind. Uh, so, so I, I try to, I also try to remember the good qualities of that person. Make that more conscious, because, I mean, that takes more effort, because it, usually, it's, it's because you've been hurt by somebody that, that then, the, like, you're in your meditation, and something will come up, and it'll come, come from unresolved pain or emotional stress. And then, because uh, the dukkha is such a strong uh, experience in this realm, but uh, you know, I, I used to feel this. Uh, I noticed this like this when I was in the navy. I had this terrible experience. Or accused of something I didn't do, and the naval officer that that kind of instigated it. I hated for for years, and uh, years afterward, every time I remembered him, I I get the same reaction. You know, wanting to smash his face in <laughs> violence. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I could really, I would wonder why, you know, even after spreading metta and all that. <laughs> and then, uh, it's just, just the, uh, now, because it's so long ago and because it doesn't, it has no long, you know, I've learned from it, it doesn't, it's a em totally empty thing now, it doesn't even have any, any feeling to it. But especially people that you're living with, as people still have an effect on your life. It's so easy to remember and then see them through fear or mistrust or whatever. To see them, as, you know, to feel mistrust towards them or resentment. <clears throat> But it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing <laughs> challenge because it, it, uh, you really have to, you know, really develop that sense of just see, really seeing memory as memory and not, and, and feeling and, and emotion. Like, like, I've even, I don't even analyze the memory anymore. I just, just, use the memory taking me to the feeling, to the emotional feeling, and just staying with the emotional feeling, and then it resolves itself. Because even, even trying to analyze it gives it a, a reality that it, it, it needn't have, you know, makes it more than what it is. So, uh, so if you, if you just, you know, if you've really seen the the, the emptiness of conditioned phenomena and memory included, then, then like I, I would go like I think you know, somebody some 
in memory of somebody come into my mind and then <clears throat> I use the sound of silence so I don't think about it but I I I stop the thought the proliferation on that on that and then I go to the I kind of watch the uh, the emotion that's there and then and, and just stay with the the feeling rather than than thinking about why or making it you know trying to get caught in the proliferating tendency around the, the memory you can cut it that, that's where like I found some silence so I helped with cutting the thought the flow of thought so that you just stop thinking then you're more aware then you can actually be aware of what you're feeling of emotional quality that's there do you find that? I mean, I find that I find the, like just a, that it that it is resolved in just in just holding it being with being uncomfortable in the past. But I just I don't know I find it it's really just kind of a bit puzzled with a it's like sometimes memory <coughs> sometimes is it like it's like there are times when that that comes in relation to memory then, or, or in experience that there's that thing arises and then you can just be with it until it ceases and then, then there's that like putting in a memory, bringing out or memory coming of something that was actually finished it seems and then still the feeling arises yeah. it's like it's just the same thing just then you're thinking yeah. But to me, so much of you know, like like this, just the society we live in, and and the the conventional reality that we have to experience in this form, we do believe the memories we have of people are the actual person. Mm. You see, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's uh, everybody goes along with that, and it's never really questioned. So you know, I can remember so and so, and that. That's that, that memory is the person, you know, I can, I can completely convince that my memory of somebody is the actual person. But when, when you really examine the memory, it's nothing. Mm -hmm. It's not a person. Mm -hmm. and, it's a, and it's only, and even if it was based on something, you know, that was true in the past, yet that was only one moment maybe of that person's life that you remember, you know, which might be a very horrible memory, but it... And so, so then you, you actually uh, see, you know, see, seeing the, the Anicca Dukkanata memory, just by keep, in, keep reminding, because it's so convincing, you know, we're so convinced that what I, you know, or we have opinions about each other, you know. So, uh, we believe, my opinion's right. I know this person and she's like this. <laughs> and, I, and I can be thoroughly convinced. And then I can convince other people I'm right. <laughs> but they, uh, 
But when you explore it in terms of of uh, dhamma, then it's not that it's wrong, but it is is only an opinion of something. It's a me- based on a memory or an experience or or uh, yeah, some kind of experience with them. Or you even hear things about other people that you've never met. <laughs> and so, you know, you can be completely prejudiced against somebody that you've never met because somebody can be, makes a convincing case about them in some way. So when you see them, oh, oh, that's the one. Huh? <laughs> It's like like gossip and rumor and and this is this is uh, all the kind of uh, sleazy magazines around, (laughs) you know, making making a reality out of these conditions. Suffering from it, too. So you, you, just, you know, you become. I mean, part of you knows uh, that, but also the real impact of suffering. Sometimes we haven't. We have to really suffer a lot to really want to stop suffering. <laughs> <laughs> And so you, because you, uh, I mean, you know, like I've seen, seen over the, you know, 30 years of practice, how easy it is to get, get, um, you know, when, when, say, when the Vipaka Kama arises, how easy it is to kind of buy into it. 
But then, then just through, through because I'm more aware of the suffering involved in it, then I, I can't. I don't, I don't need to suffer around this. And uh, but then dep depends on like that. But then a, a lot of it needs to you know you need to um, also be patient. A lot of patience because there's a there's a lot of like a tendency to just want to dismiss things, you know. So so that uh, the which is a way of thinking of uh, we can delude ourselves that we're letting go of them just by dismissing them. So it does take you know take a kind of patient kind of ongoing patience with it. Patience is very, uh, I realize the absolute conditio sine qua non of the holy life. <laughs> the Cambodian people who went through the Holocaust, yeah. and they got so much suffering that they, they endure that. <coughs> And now we see them, instead of become normal people, they become another, another one, extra, another extreme. Yeah, and this is, this is, I'm thinking maybe they lost the, everything over. After so much suffering that life is, doesn't mean anything to them. So now, so they don't mean anything. You bring something to them, they say, so what? So what they they even you <coughs> they some kind like lost or something. Yeah, and then it's so hard. It is so hard to, to bring them back. You know, like it's, it's too much some of the it's too much suffering. Yeah. They they were they were destroyed by it. You know, it's it's like like things that some of those people had to endure were so horrible that mm -hmm. that they They've just all they can do is just try to distract themselves. Isn't it what they do tend tend to? They they just don't go what it is. They don't care because you say AIDS. You know how to prevent AIDS. Don't who care? My yeah. life is nothing. Yeah. You know, it's just now I just enjoy it. And you remember last time when we talked about the energy when it, it come when it fed into your life. Yeah. They have been using that all of them. You know, every night for three years, maybe you know they're thinking of they might come and take them away. Every night, yeah, and that that kind of energy is gone. Yeah. So we don't know how how to handle you know the whole generation right now in that country. Patient, when you talk patient, they don't care, and they used to they used to. Survive by saying this color is red. If you say white, they say no, it's red because I survive by saying red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they, they don't trust anything. Uh -huh. yeah, that's really the communist regime, they just destroy humanity. A lot of them were brainwashed, weren't they, too? Uh, yeah, Khmer Rouge. And the children stop to smoke from 
seven or eight years old up because they say smoke is fun. Yeah. And the, the brain was trained not to think. And they use they, they use uh, Buddhism. You see the whole Buddha say like that. Everything Buddhism, mm -hmm. but by hopes. Yeah, in Laos, <coughs> they used to, communists would send the monks to Moscow and where they'd, they'd have to, if they wanted to say monks, they had to say all kinds of things like Buddha was the first communist and <coughs> they'd have to corrupt Buddhism. Mm. So it would be a party line of the Communist Party. Mm. <clears throat> and if they were willing to do that, then they'd, they'd, they could go back and uh, still remain a monk, but, uh, but be a kind of support the, the, the party line. And they told they uh, forbidden to preach the way it should be. Yeah. And then the money to go into the temple having divided had to raise the government, gave it to the government and gave it to the people. The money kept come up, then end up with almost nothing. Yeah. It's a parasite of the society, they what they said. I always give anyone the benefit of a doubt, you know, because if you, if you take, if you have a defeatist attitude, there's no way you can help those people, then it, it's like, you know, there's, you've kind of made up your mind before you really know. But uh, there is a point where, you know, you, when you don't know, when, when the karma ripens and things like this. So, so that you, you just—that's where, where I would never take a defeatist. That there, that, that people, even the people who've suffered so much, so many horrors, that they're beyond hope. I would never say that, because it doesn't do any good, uh, you know. And 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 you don't really know that. It might seem like that, but. Uh, it's, uh, you know, just, because uh, even in my own life, which has been quite enchanting, you know, you go through various dreary periods where all, even your own spiritual life seems utterly hopeless. And, and I can't say that, you know, I've had a fairly good experience as a <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, you know, but then you think of of how easy it is for me to believe when you're down in the pits of depression, how easy it is to, to actually, you know, be totally convinced that it's real, that it's real, you know. That's. But this is, this is where, well, our faith, uh, you, you never know, even though people say things like doesn't matter, I don't care, that that you, you don't believe that either. It's because it's just uh, when the karma ripens, 
when they when things come together uh, and just think of the human condition as basically one of barame <coughs> you know because there's been amazing kind of transformations of people from, from you know in hopeless cases into saints and this is where like like the this uh, seeing the like like contemplating the human human the minutia dhamma minutia the human and uh, see that it's you know, in the in the Buddhist uh, sense of it's a very fortunate birth to be born as a human, and uh, so then uh, contemplate that. You know, then you look at every human being as a fortunate being, rather than looking down on them or you know making holding to negative views about them, or to you know I try to see see Buddha in every human being. I don't always successful at it, but it's, it's a kind of a tra tra training, you know. Uh, seeing the purity that's naturally ours, you know. Seeing the, even in the most corrupt human being. And that's it's like, like when Pol Pot died, <coughs> I was telling you before, when, when I was in uh, Darjeeling, and they, and uh, I, and where I was staying, they had the a television set that was tuned into the uh, BBC World Service. So I could actually watch the funeral uh, of Pol Pot, and he was burned on a heap of rubbish. <laughs> He's like, I'm just an old like a bit of rubbish you throw on top of a fire <laughs> and I could see some some part of me felt he deserves that you know the kind of righteous part of me that thinks somebody as bad as Pol Pot should be doesn't deserve any kind of respect whatsoever and and because uh, he's responsible for the death of millions destroyed his country and everything so you make a case to to delight in in the, in his misfortune, but then recognizing that that's not a wholesome mental state, you know, for a form of that, and then this uh, then this this line, I sympathetically rejoice in the inconceivable vast oceans of good actions performed by conscious beings since beginningless time. So, <laughs> so I. I keep that in mind, uh, to rejoice in the good actions performed by conscious beings since beginning with time. Uh, but then when I was, when I was, when the Paul Pot, image of Paul Pot coming to my mind, uh, I tried to rejoice in his good actions. You know, just as an exercise, a, a mental exercise, because I'd only heard bad things about him. I don't, I don't know, I mean, but I've heard also that he had, you know, could be very kind and things like this. So, so it's easy to just dismiss that because the 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 negative impressions are so strong. But 
But then I'm very good at being critical and uh, right, self-righteous and and wanting to to have justice and punish people for being bad. And so I don't. I'm not short on that kind of mental uh, conditioning. But to to rejoice, uh, just contemplate it. Rejoice in the good actions of conscious beings. And that would include. You know, to, in, in, even if even if say Pol Pot only did one good action in the 80 years of his life, you rejoice in that rather than dwell on all the other bad actions. I mean, it's a way of of contemplating uh, that I find it's so noble a thing to be able to do <laughs> that it uh, you know it appeals to me, but. And it's quite hard work with with someone like that, or with with someone that's really hurt you, you know, hurt you, and uh, you, know, you you know you find you know you have a lot of resentment, hatred towards. But to deliberately re re reflect on the their good actions, and uh, I've. This is this is this because I'm very much now I can do this you know I can I can actually do this but it does take a kind of determined effort because the negative is so the critical mind so strong and and seems so right you know, why should you why should you Rejoice in anything Pol Pot ever did, you know. He's so bad. He's a monster, you know. He deserves it. He deserves it. He should have. He should have. Should have died. They should have taken him to a, an international tribunal and he totally humiliated him and kept him alive and and made him cry and say sorry and apologize and and you know make him pay for what he's done. And then other people even say, we should do the things that he did to the Cambodians. We should put him in that horrible school in, uh, <laughs> that we went to <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, chain him down and put him through those various torture, uh, that kind, you know, revenge and getting even. And there's something very kind of, you know, exciting about that, getting even with somebody. But that's going on all over, you know, you see it in in Bosnia and Kosovo and and, and, and everywhere. Everybody's trying to to make people pay for their for what they the bad things have done. So this this is a it can I mean what I say can really upset people. Because they they think I'm I'm bypassing I'm trying to deny or ignore the bad things but I'm not but I can do this because I'm so aware of the bad things <laughs> uh, that I'm not but it, what's more of a challenge is remembering the good things.
think it can also be useful to reflect that by unforgiveness you, you, you're kind of you're continuing and empowering the negatives. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You're always uh, you, that's the thing, you see, why, why, I mean, it might be just, like, if somebody kills your mother or something, then you go kill his mother, it's there's a kind of justice there. But actually, the, the problem has just been, uh, you know, but then, but then it's going, you know, the whole thing is going to repeat itself, you know, so it goes on, in, like, in, in the, in the, uh, Balkans. I mean, they 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 just do that to each other all the time. They, you know, the they they say, well, they, the the Muslims uh, killed my grandparents, and so I'm going to kill their family, and and then they, you know, there's a, it's such an evil thing that's happened. A deliberate kind of uh, rape, encouraged to to totally destroy Muslim women. In Bosnia, you know, so that so that the you know not only are you killing the men, but you're humiliating, destroying the whole culture, you know, and and doing the things that just create anger and uh, rage and, and the other, and so then it just it just keeps going, you know. How, how do you stop it? And then I realized, like with myself trying to stop it in here. I mean, I can't, I can't do very much to do about the outside, but in, in seemingly hopeless situations where, where, you know, people aimlessly want to, you know, say, you know, you know, have a, have a kind of endless confrontation and, and, uh, you know, blaming attitudes, then uh, if I get caught in that myself, then it just keeps to, it perpetuates the whole thing. So, so it's like learning to say the buck stops here. <laughs> or, I don't know if that's quite what that one means, but to try to, I mean, I can think what I can do is resolve it here so that, that, that it ends here. I'm not perpetuating it anymore uh, through my own, say, reactions. So it's, uh, and then it's, that's like the blessings of our lives and this, <coughs> this, uh, this uh, practice. And then you're, you know, you're, you're using it, even the, even the, the pain of it and the injustice that you experience, or the blame, or the unfairness. You're, you know, I'm, I'm resolved to use that as a, as a, so it stops with me, and I'm not just, you know, going around blaming others and, and uh, trying to. Uh, you know, get even or make somebody apologize to me or, or say they're sorry or make them admit their faults and things like this. Because, uh, you know, the, I've seen that, you know, in, in myself, wanting somebody 
think they should apologize to me and and that they shouldn't uh, you know they've they've treated me badly and they, they should uh, apologize for that and I'm very right righteous about it but then when I when I look at that as an ex a mental experience I see that that it doesn't work like I mean you can't make somebody apologize or you can kind of maybe force them to do it but it but you've also you know, it, 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 it can be very harmful even on that level because you're, you, you know, you're coming at them with a lot of demands and blame and, 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 uh, and they'll resent that. So you end up having to apologize for that. So it goes on and on till, till, till where learning to resolve it in the mind itself. <clears throat> so have this image of myself as a kind of garbage disposal unit for the world. <laughs> this is, this is a <laughs> where, where I just say, everybody just throw your garbage onto me. <laughs> and see, see, how, see what I do with it. <laughs> 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 and and uh, uh, I mean, I'm is, is a, it's an interesting metaphor, but then it's like like for me it's, 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 a, it's a better way of looking than trying to protect myself all the time. I mean I tend to, I tend to be one who who is a very protective. <coughs> And, um, you know, like, like a kind of person that, that will try to get out of things, difficult things, or can just, uh, or run away from unpleasant scenes and things like this. So I can, you know, I have a tendency to withdraw and, and then because of that to dread possibilities of things, of unpleasant experiences and, and, uh, and then resent have a lot of resentment about it all. So then this this uh, this garbage disposal unit metaphor <laughs> is, is a kind of way to counterbalance that tendency because it, it's like you're you're willing to take on the pain of the world or the you're opening yourself up to to everything you know like you're you're willing to 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 uh, open to to life, and which includes the whole the whole range from good to bad. But but the uh, and that in itself has a kind of joyful quality to it as an attitude. But then the and then the experience is to really because now I know enough about my mind. I know I know enough to be able to to feel a confidence that I, I at least try to work from it because it's worth trying at least you know somebody's got to do it uh, at least somebody should do it because I don't see any hope the other way of just endlessly arguing and 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 kind of 
compromising and and uh, and and holding, you know, then then always feeling, never resolving things, but but uh, just holding things back and kind of stiff upper lip and and get on with life and and these kind of adages that are very common to this society. Does you know it, it's one way of getting through, it's kind of surviving, but it. But it's not liberating. And then you think of you know think of somebody like Jesus Christ, who died for all human beings. You know, I was brought up as a Christian, so and and I never really believed that uh, as a you know I was told that, and and when I was a child, I quite believed it like a child believes what they're told. That uh, then I started questioning him because historically it, you know, it, it didn't seem like he, you know, he died rather in vain. Because human being, I was, uh, you know, my childhood was during the Second World War, where you, where you just, you know, you were, you hear the endless kind of horror stories of what was going on, and uh, and you couldn't imagine that, and these were in Christian supposedly Christians fighting, you know, Christian countries involved in all this. So, so then you, you know, it didn't work. If <laughs> he, he, he died to save everyone from sin, it didn't, you know, it was, he, he failed. It didn't work. <laughs> so, <laughs> I kind of lost faith in that one. But then in terms of, uh, of, uh, say, when you when you put the the Christian uh, story into a context of the mind, rather than as a historical event, uh, then it then it's quite valuable. So so then, uh, I mean, if you try to look at a historical event, all you can do is, you know, some people don't even you know think Jesus Christ was wasn't even alive. You know, you can you can. Uh, Make a case that he he was some just somebody made up the story, and uh, so <laughs> he was a he was a, a political activist, uh, or whatever. But any anyway, it doesn't matter in terms of of historical accuracy, as but as a spiritual uh, metaphor for what. What you do, you know, like to, to die, death then has has a more profound meaning than a physical death. You know, as a spiritual event, death is quite a strong spiritual experience. Whereas a on a conventional level, it's it's a, like a physical, only a physical thing, and that we all have to, you know, that we will have everybody has to die, but we don't we tend to dismiss it as something that's going to happen to us in the future. And then, uh, then the, uh, so then we look at Jesus Christ as dying for the sins of human beings as a historical event, doesn't quite make sense to me, it doesn't seem, you know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't seem like I, I, I've never liked the idea. That, that that would that somebody would do that, 
terms of uh, of a historical thing because uh, you know we were they were always kind of saying you should be grateful for the you know they're kind of playing on your emotions you know you should be grateful for he died for you and that kind of thing. And it just made me angry I felt anger but in terms of like what I, what you learn spiritually is is the is like an inner dying that taking place, and uh, this this uh, this uh, like when you can see in your own practice, probably just your personality, the sense of yourself, and your you know who you are and your identities, <clears throat> they're dying more and more. You have a sense of of death as something internal, and you you know I could actually points of my practice. I could hear myself, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd get panicked, I'd say, I'm dying, I'm dying, you know, and I, and I want to live, and I could hear kind of inner voices saying, I want to live, and I want to die, you know, and, uh, and yet, uh, because uh, there's so many things of our personality, we, we really, we're very much uh, identified so much to, that, it, that if they go, we think there's nothing, it, you know, it's, it's like going into a black hole, of, uh, an abyss, but if you keep keep dying, then then what's left is what is it? <laughs> and then is you you find you find through the spiritual development, and then then in terms of taking on, you know, like I can see in terms of what we can do also as human individuals is is to live in a way that is is uh, that we're actually not committing harmful acts in the world anymore <coughs> we're not seeking revenge we're not demanding justice we're not getting even we're not uh, blaming we're not participating in any of that uh, anymore, uh, because we're we know how to to let those kind of emotions, how to let them die in us. It's like the garbage disposal unit. They come in, and then then they kind of then you can defecate them out, or whatever. <laughs> or, uh, or whatever way you want to look. It's just a, it's just a metaphor to to see because. Uh, it's something one can do, and, and not many people have the insight into doing that. You know, they they still still a demand to uh, to organize everything and, and seek justice and and uh, punish the the bad ones and and uh, and that injustice is even pretty good, but it was, it was revenge. It's really. You know, justice has a has a certain dignity to it, but but uh, this this revenge, this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Then uh, then you you think of. Of like uh, Jesus on the cross, you know, I think uh, that was like a, 
You know, you're 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 stripped naked, uh, you're you're nailed to a cross, put out in public, everybody's laughing at you. And I mean it's the total humiliation, isn't it? And then they're making fun of him, they say, You you're the king of the Jews, ha ha ha, and put a crown of thorns on his head. He's got he's wearing a crown and uh, and and then they, and then he's stripped naked and uh, put up between two two common criminals and uh, and publicly executed and everybody's laughing and jeering. Can you imagine anything more? <laughs> and that, that's the kind of quintessential humiliation and pain. Then then the uh, then the forgiveness. He forgives, he forgives them, Father, for they know not what they do. So there's that, there's a forgiveness. Because he sees, rather than thinking, how dare they treat me like this? You know, how, you know, this isn't right, this isn't fair. I'm, you know, they shouldn't be doing this to me. And uh, I'll never forgive them for humiliating me like this. But instead, it's this, this sense of forgiveness. He realized people only do those things because they don't know what they're doing. It's the avicca, pajaya sankar. They just don't know. They do that because they don't know. And so then, you know, that's a sign of a rather developed spiritual being to know that. Because the human reaction is, how dare you treat me like this? And then, uh, then. Uh, then the, then the uh, cry, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Kind of lament, a very strange one. And so, you know, even, even in the spiritual moment, then the, even God deserted him. Friends deserted him. Oh, that loss of everything, even, even God. And that's really the ultimate despair. And then, the surrender, you know, so then the, the surrender to the, to the restraint, you know, so to me that surrender has always been uh, uh, quite, you know, meaningful to me, because I see the, that uh, learning to surrender to the pain, to the humiliation, to the cross, to the restriction of the cross, to the to the whole thing, you know, to, to just totally relax into the whole miserable moment. <laughs> and, and because of, uh, there's a, there's a sata or a faith, you know, that is no longer even dependent on a believing in, in, in some kind of justice or some kind of escape or some kind of special intervention or even just a God, you know, by your side, holding your hand on the cross. I mean, that's even gone. But there's, there's a, a, a total, total surrender in trust, rather than a, than a negative resignation to misery. So then you, you contemplate that in terms of, uh, say I contemplate that in terms of, of uh, experience here at Amravati. Daily life experience, <laughs> you know, where, where the, uh, you know, the the conditions are very good, and uh, and 
you know, none of that. I mean, those are extreme. That's an extreme example of crucifixion. But they, uh, I mean, that, most of us will never be subject to anything that horrendous. But, but just the little things of life, you know, we, is where we fail. You know, just the little irritations and and uh, little kind of feelings of being offended is where we tend to, you know, we can really get lost in it. And so this is this is where the challenge is, and this like this mindfulness to keep keep working with the with the with the slings and arrows, the kind of the little gnats and midges of life. <laughs> Is it in keeping with the law of karma to see these things as impersonalities, which can actually see things as forgiveness? Yeah, the more you the more you trust in your mindfulness, in your ability to be awake and attention, you see that they are they're just empty phenomena. It's empty phenomena. Even even your I mean, it, even when your emotions are screaming inside you. Like that, it's still if you if you really can can accept that experience for what it is, it has it has nothing to it other than it's a it's a condition. It is what it is, but it, it is nothing more than that. And this is where you, you you know you you find your refuge in this this pure state of attention, because then it's uh, it's. That that is like a transcending of the condition. You actually can witness the condition itself for what it is, and that transcending is an, an intuitive ability. So it's not it's not judging. It's not making a a judgment. It's merely and where compassion can 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 arise or joy because it's. It's uh, it's it's recognizing from from the deathless position rather than say the the self the conditioned sense of yourself which is always under threat of, of some sort you know as you as a personality as an ego you're always going to feel threatened or or ill at ease or you know you know worried about something. In this world, because this the, on the level of being a physical being and being a person, it's a, there's an endless source of danger around, you know, being hurt, harmed, or humiliated in some way. But in terms of of uh, of this deathless awareness, then this is uh, and, and and I know if you. Sometimes you can feel it, like I've seen it myself. Emotions are going, <clears throat> but there's there's something up here. You know, it's like a transcendent feeling. It, there's a knowing, even when the emotions are, are are ranting and 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 going on a tirade. It uh, there's a knowing of that. It's it's like you can't quite believe it, the way you used to when you never questioned it or never thought from any other position but a grasping one. I was telling somebody the other day about this 
insight I had years ago when I was a novice into into uh, non-suffering and I you know I was alone in this kuti and I had this insight and this flash I really saw saw clear clearly the way of non-suffering and then and then it's just a flash it wasn't very long but it was very clear and then I the emotions took me over and, and I fell in a heap on the floor and I can't do it. I was crying and weeping and, and like on the, falling on the floor and, and wailing, weeping and wailing. I can't do it. I can't do it. So, so if you'd come at that time, <laughs> if you'd come and to see me and you'd say, Oh, Ajahn Tomato's in a bad state. <laughs> but actually, while that was going on, there was a part of me that was not, that knew. You know, it was like like I was witnessing this wretched little creature on the floor. I can't do it. I can't do it. And there, <laughs> there was something apart. There was this this wise part that that could see that. But if you if you'd come in, at that time, you wouldn't have seen the wisdoms <laughs> overlooking it. You would have seen this miserable wretch. And thinking, God, you know, he's been meditating how many months now? <laughs> total disaster. Then how do you wake up, Lord? Wake up. When you catch, you try to 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 cling to that flash, then you wake up. Well, it's like, like you, it's an insight, so it, it's, you know, it's like you wake up, it's your way. But then, uh, then, the, uh, then the pull of the emotions and the habits is still there. But it's something in you never goes back. I mean, you, go, you easily fall back into the momentum of habits and you can forget, but you don't totally forget. You know, like stream enterer, you know, there's always this, this sense of... of you know, seven lifetimes, and that kind of thing. You know, you, you actually see see something, but and and you can fall back into into the, the momentum of the old habit. But it somehow it's not like the the uh, like it was before. You know, so you you can't you can't really go back to being the deluded person you were before that. Because even though sometimes you would even like to. <laughs> How many of you wish you'd never started meditation? <laughs> you could go back and, and just uh, uh, you know, take drugs and sex and, and have a good time and just enjoy life like you used to. <laughs> think you did. And then, <laughs> and then uh, and you know you can't. And, it, and if you try, you can't. I mean, it's not the same. You don't have the, to enjoy all that. You have to believe in it. And, uh, and you no longer believe in it. Then you can't really, really get absorbed into it. So is it because one sees the impermanence? It's like when they say, opening the eye of downwise, seeing 
whatever has the nature to their eye has the nature to see. Yeah. So one can't really hold it like uh, well, just like like just seeing that, like like if uh, you know, like you, the, you you actually you have this this kind of gut knowledge, and it like for me, then it was very it was like a flash, but it was it was it was profound, uh, and but it. Uh, and then also, and you know, I I had really began to 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 uh, to understand cessation more, the third noble truth, because uh, and 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 non-self, where before they were more more intellectualized concepts, were not 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 had insight into it. But that's where, like in the, in the twelve insights through the four noble truths, it's like a. It's you know you keep. Keep, uh, keep gnawing away like a rat, gnawing a hole through the wall till you get through. Well, now because I've been meditating for so long, it's it's much more like there's a connectedness. Your mindfulness connects, and you, you get you know you, you're abiding in a mindful state, and you're, you're trusting in that. Well, you can't have the uh, once you've had the insight, you don't have. You don't have the same insight again, but you have other insights. <laughs> but it, but it, it, uh, that's one of the that's one of the uh, like in uh, one of the problems in the vipassana practice is that that you uh, you you have these insights. And then you cling to the memories of them, you know. So, so you connect like you think of. Well, I did this retreat, and uh, you know, I didn't speak for three months, and and I and I didn't eat very much. I ate only kind of uh, um, grass and uh, <laughs> uh, or not pot and grass. <laughs> Or special kind of organically grown carrots or something, and then, and then I then I only had, uh, uh, you know, I only slept so many hours, and and I did these practices. And I had these enlightened experiences, and then you think, ah, and and so then you 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 come back to Amravati and, and say, okay, now you're kitchen manager. And, and <laughs> 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 and you, you, but you've connected your insight with the with the actual conditions of that you use, and that becomes like a, an obstruction because then you you think being kitchen manager is a is a you you can't develop if you're kitchen manager that you have to have those kind of conditions in order to have the insights and so you get very attached to 
to, uh, to, to maybe specialize in controlling conditions. Uh, and that's uh, like where uh, one of the problems in, in any kind of, you know, uh, special extreme forms of practice because the, the, we, you can, you, you connect the, in, the insight with the conditions that, that you're living in. So this is, you know, this is why Ajahn Chah aims so much at this ordinary daily life kind of, you know, mindfulness around the routine of a monastery. Well, he was, he was always, you know, for me, he was, he was emphasizing this. Never let me kind of go off in, in for very long to do very kind of controlled special practice used to aggravate me because I really liked doing that, you know. I really uh, enjoyed that kind of thing. But but then also I could see that that, that it was in, you know, learning to to, to uh, put on your chiwara mindfully, eat your food, things like that, that, that you integrated the practice and uh, learning and also living in community where learning how to how to uh, because in a community then a lot of emotions are come up come up and triggered off in, in one and and that but and so because then you're not I'm not connecting the insight practices with a technique anymore, with a particular controlled situation, but with the flow of life, then it, then, then I no longer feel now, I no longer feel I need special conditions for practice. I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel that I have to go off and that I can't do it here, I, that I've got to go off in, in this ideal place where I've got everything, you know, perfect for my practice. I don't, I no, no longer think like that. No longer uh, would, would entertain that kind of thinking either. When? Hmm? Because you are practicing more than 32 years and the, the statement you just made there, I have no longer, when did you know that? After 20 years, I <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can't... I mean, it's... Uh, it, to really... Uh, to really know that. But then the, the... You know, to really... To really, really know that and give up the other even though I knew that years and years ago, I wasn't quite willing to give it up because I, I did like the other a lot. <laughs> but, the, but then the, uh, the, uh, the uh, conditions forced force me because I was, I, was, I, was I was put in a, I was, I was an abbot of Watnanachat after eight, eight bosses. So I mean, I had only eight years of, uh, you know, 
and before I was and I used to used to get quite upset with Ajahn Chah because it's not fair you had 20 years before you had to do this (laughs) 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 it's not fair but then but then I could, something in me knew that it was all right to do this. And, and, but there was still a, 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 a reticence, you know, a longing, because uh, I found like community life very threatening to me, emotionally. So I mean, it, it's, uh, it's been, uh, it hasn't been an easy ride living, living with all of you. <laughs> <laughs> But, <laughs> but, the, uh, but now I'm glad I, I have, you know, because it, it, uh, I know how to live now. I know, I, 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 I know how to live with people. I know how to deal with, with the things that people bring up in me. Or I'm willing to try anyway. I'm willing to use it. You're not afraid of women anymore, are you? No. <laughs> 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 Thank <laughs> you.